The only liability in this friend circle is my credit score. I've worked with the homeless. I've worked with the toothless. But the work I'm most proud of is what I've done on myself. <laughs> I can't run a mile, but I have a gold medal in complaining. <laughs> Wait, I'm still not over. And just any kind of homeless and toothless content, I'm extremely here for. I was trying to do one, but I couldn't think of how to do it tastefully. And I think what's great I mean... is that Kevin was like, it doesn't have to be tasteful. And really just, really just ran with it. Um, I'm, in the, I'm in the middle of writing a piece about how that's like the comedy moment of the year. I'm going full, <laughs> full I mean, tasteless it, I mean, with it. it. Is, it's, I don't think the show's <laughs> ever been funnier. It real funnier and also like taste more tasteless. They set the it's bar so with Dorit's, you know, those are the chicest wind chimes I've ever seen. And then they yeah. just cleared it with, I think, yeah. Because they're homeless. Well, I think it's good because it also like, it's funny, but it also exposes like how empty their charity efforts are and how like rotten to the core they are. So I think it's like really kind of like, it serves like a dual purpose. I've watched it back again and I actually think that one of the more funnier moments isn't necessarily Kathy messing it up and everyone snickering about it, but just at the very beginning of the episode when Dorit is so seriously saying it over and over again with just like the straightest face and mm -hmm. such an earnestness as if it's not absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that is the thing is like Dorit's response being like, take it seriously. But how do you take seriously a charity that first off, nobody can remember correctly. And it's like a pretty big fuck up. But it's I mean, I, I still even saying it out loud. I'm like homeless. Not to, but I we listen, we got a couple hashtag writer girls. We need to get into it because I actually do have follow up questions about naming an organization. Homeless, not toothless, which um, P.S., Friend of the pod face reality 16 on IG posted they have like a failing rating on charity yes, I, navigator. I saw that. T, T Kyle, who I think we are all friends with yes. on social, uh, did a post about that too. How it um, it's got like a yeah, and Gawker, Gawker also did a deep dive into it about uh, wow. how horrible it is. This is so sad because I mean, they obviously just wanted exposure and now they're being exposed in the worst way. <laughs> Isn't that so? themed with BH though it's like I did this for attention and it's like okay right, let's that's give like you Diana's some. whole that's Diana's whole story but they're I feel like they're going to change the name to like like homed and toothful like they're gonna really like <laughs> we have to go back to Diana because I watched episode twice and I still can't figure out what she was saying where she was like I lost my teeth, so it's been full circle. Or like I used to be homeless, and then I lost teeth, and now I have more teeth. Like it was, it was such a bizarre way of trying to like brag her way into that conversation. Yeah, it's like she said to she asked her God for wisdom, and he was like, "How about some extra teeth?" Is I think like how that all panned out. You guys, it's Andy's girls. There's a lot we need to get into, but first I need to <laughs> introduce. These guests who I initially paired together on AG, I want to say about a year ago, and we are back. And obviously, there are things to be said. I'm so excited. First off, let me introduce you know him as senior entertainment editor at The Daily Beast, who just launched Obsessed, a destination for pop culture's most bingeable moments, movies, and shows. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Kevin Fallon. Kevin, how are you? I'm good. I'm so glad you can read that press release so, so vivaciously. 
you know, I sometimes I write, but more often than not, I read. And I tried to do so good and stuff is how I would phrase that as a writer. And of course, you know him as acclaimed housewives writer who wrote a piece for New York Magazine slash Vulture about Erica Jane that I know we've referenced on the last episode we recorded together. I reread it today on the East River Ferry, and it was giving me everything I needed and more. So I'm so excited to have both of you back on AG. I feel like an auspicious return, considering our last time here was talking an awful lot about BH. And here we are again. How do you feel a year after the fact about the state of the world in Beverly Hills. I don't think you said my name, which is actually fine. Did I not read those? <laughs> which is totally fine. I, we could just Madonna. Keep... <laughs> Evidently, he's Madonna. He's nameless, it's not Lewis. Toothless. He is nameless, not toothless. Lewis Pites. Could you imagine if I did the entire episode without ever saying your name? I, I didn't know if I should stop you or not, but I actually liked it. I like an intro that's just about, um, that's, that's like a nameless one. Um, I, to answer your question about Beverly Hills, um, I, I mean, I guess like my larger, well, I don't know where to begin here. I, I would say my overall Housewives vibe right now is that I believe that um, Bravo's Real Housewives is in its flop era. And I think we need to like accept the fact that it's just not what it once was, but it can come back. And I think Beverly Hills is um, a victim of that current state. My mouth is. Is that shocking? I thought this was, I didn't know if this was like a controversial opinion. This is like how I feel about, about Bravo right now, sadly. Yeah. I feel like it's not, I, th- I think you're right. It's not quite controversial. Like a lot of people feel that way. I, at least with Beverly Hills, don't necessarily agree. I do agree that there are parts of it that have become unwatchable, but I find those parts actually be the fascinating thing about it. Like, Mm. I actually love seeing Rinna and Erica and Kyle and Dorit just be this pack of nightmares who are, and watching them in real time, just grossly, um, like, miscalculate how viewers are gonna react to the stances they're taking. Like, like you can see that they're so convicted in like what they're doing is going to be the right thing. And they are so, so awfully wrong. And it's like sort of unpleasant to watch, but like as a cultural experiment, as someone who's watched that from the beginning, that, that series from the beginning, I find it like sort of fascinating. I guess I should clarify that when I say flop era, I'm using that, you know, people say flop era. It's really more like, like aggressively mid era. Like I think that it's not the worst I've ever seen by any means. I still watch all of the housewives, um, including Dubai. But I think that, you know, (laughs) I mean. It's just the fact that you have to say all of the housewives, including (laughs) Dubai, because Dubai is for many people, although it had an excellent episode this week, the forgotten franchise. When we were were planning this episode, um, multiple people in this threesome of us forgot that it existed. Right. Mm -hmm. I did not forget because I do watch it. And I, but I think that that's like, yeah, I think um, between Dubai, I, I think Atlanta right now is uh, is fine. I think it's like entertaining at times, but also a little forgettable. And I think we all often forget that it's airing. And then Beverly Hills gets the most attention. But I think what Kevin's talking about is interesting, but also like there's a stagnation to that show that is kind of, insurmountable because of this like alliance that will never 
mm-hmm. falter. And because the show does so well in ratings, they like don't have to do anything to shake it up. They add people like Diana, who's just the most baffling, not the most baffling house edition. Like she makes sense on paper, but it's just like a terrible, terrible addition to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Unwatchable. Yeah, it's, I mean, yes, but also the So You Say That I Know scene is like, iconic but yeah I mean I think uh yes I it's it's just like a thing where um Beverly Hills to me will never be better until they kind of change things and because the show does so well they're never going to so um yeah I feel like it's a tough time for Housewives but I'm excited about Potomac and I hang on to that as like the light at the end of the tunnel that and Jersey I choose to believe will lift us out of this cycle. I think it's crazy, by the way, that with Beverly Hills, that we spent so much time in the gossip mines pulling out tidbits about this Aspen trip on Beverly Hills. Now the season is almost over and we have seen nothing of this infamous journey. Um, And I'm like not convinced that Kathy actually said anything, but I guess we'll find out. The Kathy conundrum of it all. I mean, as Kathy herself said on this week's episode, you have to be very careful because if you speak out of turn, you get canceled. And then it's like, well, we've seen some of that happen with you, Kathy, in real time in the last week. But also, it seems, judging by their reactions to things, that the Fox Force, however you want to encapsulate that magical mystery tour, are tired with and of her like you can tell by their reactions this week that they're like this isn't fun for us anymore you're obviously on another side we do not like what you're doing we don't like the way that you're taking away attention and gravitas from what we're trying to say and it's like I I don't I don't know how much the Aspen rumors add to that well also I mean part of their um distaste for her is that she clearly is empathetic towards everything that Crystal and Sutton and Garcelle are going through and that's like crossing battle lines for them. Yeah, I think that it's like, they just don't like, I mean, it's very clear who they like and who they don't like. They're not good at pretending that they have like honest opinions toward anything that Sutton does or that Erica does. It's like, wherever wherever you came into this is where you stay. Um, That's what makes the show, I think, so challenging to watch sometimes. But, um, you know, you see it with like, like with Diana, I mean, this whole thing with like, Garcelle and Sutton where they're all saying like you know Garcelle Mm. you're so closed off and really they're just saying like you're on Sutton's side and we don't like that because like they all want to take Sutton down Crystal the same thing it was like Kyle really tried to get everyone to go after Sutton at the beginning of the season and like Crystal didn't you know play by that like she kind of ended up taking Sutton down in her own way but it was not Kyle's Mm. plan and they all destroyed Crystal and it was it's just like it's not um, I find that really unpleasant and I find it so obvious what they're doing. I often wonder if when they watch the shows back now when they're airing, if they see what we see where we're like, when Garcelle speaks up clarifying to everyone, like, no, like what Sutton's saying isn't crazy. She's actually being right. You're all being illogical. Do they see like what we see in her, where like obviously Garcelle and Sutton are the only people seeing a situation with clarity or are they just so deluded that they don't understand that what we're watching is making us be on Garcelle Sutton's side and what they're doing is just heinous. Well, I feel like we got a glimpse of that with some of Rinna's shockingly, I don't even know why I've used the phrase shockingly. It's very true to form 
for her, but her reactions to things on social when she said, you're coming at me and kind of looking at it through a cancel culture lens. It's just, you're just a mob of trolls attacking me online and we can't even criticize anything about Garcelle X, Y, and Z without, in her words, saying being called racist. I, I think that they're noticing that there's a groundswell of opposition to them, but they're just putting it in the bucket of these are people who are going to hate me no matter what, or they're just going to hate me because they love the person that I dislike. I don't know that they're actually processing it and if they have capacity to. When they watch when they watch the confessionals and Garcelle and Sutton, I mean, beyond being the voice of reason in those group settings when they're fighting with each other, they are mm-hmm. extremely reasonable and the only people making any sense during the confessionals. So like, do they watch those confessionals and actually internalize any of those things that two of them are saying? And, and personal too. You're asking for an interiority that I don't think exists, but I think what's so funny about the like, Rena being like, we can't criticize Garcelle without being called racist is that if they actually said what they want to say to Garcelle, which is, and Erica basically did, which is like, I don't like that you're friends with Sutton. I think it would be more fun if you were on our side. Um, they never say that. So they said, so they say like, there's something about you that's really closed off. I feel like you don't really like mesh with the group. It ends up actually seeming more racist than what they actually mm. um, want to say, which is, you know, just that they don't like this alliance. Um, but I do think Rinna is very perceptive of fan reaction, which is why she's pivoted to everything I did in the show was because I was grieving. Um, I don't want to discount the fact that she actually is grieving. And I think like, a lot of her volatility, some of it, you can credit to that, but I also mm-hmm. think she's always been this way. And it's not right. like, I think it's very convenient for her to be like, I get a pass for this entire season. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I do think that she's doing that now as sort of damage yeah. control because she knows how it looks. And I think that Kyle and Dorit are a little bit better at sort of playing every side, depending on the scene. The grief thing I was I, I thought was really interesting in this episode where she, you know, I mean, whether or not she was doing the soap opera actress thing or whether it was an authentic moment when she had her histrionic meltdown during the charity dinner. And she said, you know, this is grief. This is not me going after Sutton or Sutton is not the reason for this. Like, I'm sorry, Sutton, you know, all that. That was actually a very nice moment, authentic or not. But then to later in the episode, have her screaming at Sutton again and just being like, I'm grieving, I get to do whatever I want. I get to be, have these like totally unsubstantiated swings and mood towards you because of my grief. I thought that sort of just like took away any um, goodwill that she had garnered by that earlier scene. And, and and any sort of logic behind her behavior that she had established by that earlier scene. She went after Sutton in the same, same scene, like moments later she started uh, yelling at Sutton again. So I don't know how much her excuse that she wasn't actually angry at Sutton holds water. Right. And she's quadrupled down about Sutton, which is why I feel this confusion when I'm watching these episodes, because we're supposed to be under the impression that she has learned something because she's telling us I've learned something. and I'm having a breakthrough. And then she either manipulates that breakthrough to silence the other women holding her accountable or to remove an element of grace for another person's behavior or response by saying that she is a woman in grief. It's very odd. And it's like people have criticized, you know, was she audibly, not audibly, but like, was she visually crying when she had that breakdown at the charity event? And that stuff like makes me cringe a little bit, but also something felt 
very odd watching it in the moment and then watching her use that with such assuredness is odd to me because I don't see her really acknowledging like if I if I learned that I'm doing this because of underlying grief I'm gonna stop that behavior I just see her continuing it and being like but it's okay because I'm grieving which isn't really learning a lesson here well, I don't know that Rana learning a lesson feels like a big ask. It does. And it's it, I feel like that's what's part of what's so odd is because she's demanding that we show her grace because she's connecting the dots for us. She's doing that favor, but she's still continuing the bad behavior. So it's like, what are what are we actually watching then? You can't just say I'm going to act like a piece of shit because I'm dealing with a significant um death in the family and the death of a parent I mean that is that can shake and do away the very foundation for many many people but to then to just say well you know it happened so I'm just going to give myself grace for that and not learn any lessons I, I don't know I don't know how that works for the other person who you're constantly making feel like shit it doesn't but I also think that I think Rinna's actually pissed because she really wanted this Oscar like Elton John Oscar party thing to be in the storyline of this season. And then Dorit got our house broken into and it totally pulled focus. And now we're just kind of circling back because Rena didn't get to like effectively destroy Sutton. Um, I don't know how much of her, I don't think anything about Rena feels authentic to me at this point. I mean, she's she came on the show as a soap star. Her first season had plenty of soap star moments. I don't think that she is often being real in any sort of like meaningful way. And I think that she doesn't really have it together enough this season to make it even look like she's behaving like an actual human being. Is there value in an inauthentic Rena, or is this just the end of the line here? I mean, it used to be fun, and now it's yeah. just such a drag. Like the Amsterdam dinner, like, mm -hmm. I mean, that was all soap opera acting, but it was really fun to watch. And like, like her Denise, her behavior towards Denise was not fun to watch, but her like, Ooh, you're so angry. <laughs> like there was value in that, but I don't think there's value in her very like rehearsed and like overly acted, like you shut your mouth, Sutton Strack, like while dressed in disco drag at this event on the episode last night. So I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't find it to be fun anymore where it used to be. I don't know that anyone does. Like, I don't know that, like, I know there are Rinna stands like remaining, but I don't think that there are, they're like the majority at this point. And I think a lot of it is like that her whole shtick was that she really would like tell it like it is and she would come for everyone. And then like the Erica stuff happened and she was so deferential and she was so unwilling to like ever say anything to Erica that wasn't, you know, 100% supportive and positive. And it was like, you ate Denise alive like last season and now you're kind of you know just bowing at the altar of Erica Jane and it's like not it doesn't really you know her whole her whole persona fell apart and now it's just like she's gonna keep screaming at Sutton over like some stupid watch what happens live comment. It is really interesting to see how like unmoored and unsettled Rinna and mm. Kyle and Erica and Dorit are that they haven't broken Sutton and Garcelle the way that like they're just used to being able to do this like they they broke teddy they they broke um they broke denise but mm -hmm. sudden garcelle have not just like stayed intact but they've actually grown stronger and 
garnered more fans and now have more goodwill towards them than there ever has been towards the Fox Force, whatever they want to call themselves. If you were in a network position, seeing that they're getting like historic crazy ratings, but also a pretty big groundswell of like negative feedback on social, which doesn't quite connect with the ratings themselves, how do you unpack that? Well, I think like, I don't know. I mean, like we're all watching, right? So like, I don't know that people are turning it off, but I think that if I were looking at this from, from a production standpoint and thinking about what is actually the ratings draw, you know, you look at um, obviously the Tom Girardi stuff like brought in a ton of viewership to the show mm-hmm. and Erica is a major ratings draw, but she's totally unpleasant and boring and not, you know, I mean, her whole storyline this season about like she drank a little too much and like was an asshole and then got defended by everyone. I, I don't think that that's like, I think people want to see her in the hot seat. So if I were thinking about how to like keep viewers hooked, I think I would get rid of Rinna or like anyone. I think if you remove Rinna from that equation, Kyle and Dorit become much more flexible. Mm. And I think seeing Garcelle and Erica go back and forth was so much more interesting than most of what we've gotten. And I think that's why you know, we need to kind of destabilize the, uh, the alliances. Um, and I hope the production sees that. I hope it's not just like, we're not going to mess with, you know, what's not broken because they obviously tried to change things up. They added Diana, mm-hmm. um, and look where that got us. <laughs> um, they're obviously, they added, I mean, they, they brought on Cherie, but like, I think that was not, it's not panning out as planned since she's mm-hmm. now sort of taking the side of the other women against Garcelle. So you know, we'll sort of see how that goes. But I think like you should maybe, if you if you take Rinna out of things, I think it could be really interesting. The counter to that could be from some people who are Rinna stands or not, what about respecting your villains? That because there is so much negative attention Rinna's way, does that help the show at all in adding a certain element of, I don't know, tension because she's um you know kind of refusing to or unwilling to change or adapt is is there a benefit to having a personality like that on this show or is she just helping sink the ship isn't that erica though i mean like isn't erica the villain who like will never like she's leaned into being the worst i don't think she's ever going to grow as a person or acknowledge the victims of, of the alleged victims of Tom Girardi. So I think like, if you want someone who's going to be nasty and like unyielding, I feel like you have Erica. And I also think that like Kyle and Dorit can definitely step up when it's required and mm-hmm. be super nasty. So like, you know, mm-hmm. make them do that. And I think you would have that, you would be in that position if you didn't have Rinna there, you know, screaming at Sutton for no reason. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, the, the Rinna stuff, her being a villain isn't entertaining anymore like when you when there's absolutely no um base for it no justification like when she shows up at that cocktail party and just out of nowhere starts cruelly screaming at sudden and sometimes like where is this coming from like a viewer doesn't like to have that kind of whiplash like we do like a villain arc we do like you know a long narrative of people being pitted against each other like that's what housewives is but when it's just so seemingly random and goes from zero to 100 every single time she's on screen, it's just exhausting and not fun anymore. And I think that 
we've seen that when producers are seeing good ratings and there are veterans who have followings and fans and they just keep them on forever, uh, it can have a New York City Housewives effect where it just ruins the show entirely and they have to start over from square one. And how so with New York City? Well, they kept Ramona and Luann and mm-hmm. Sonia as and, and for a while Dorinda as this like unquestioned pack of people who were sort of like the Fox Force. Like they just bullied every new person. A lot of their behavior was nonsensical and unjustified. And all it did was make their worst tendencies dial up and dial up and dial up until the show became unwatchable because Sonia was too nonsensical. Ramona was too heinous and Luann was too narcissistic and Dorinda was too angry. And it just oh, tor- tor- so angry. torpedoed the whole, everything that used to be fun about that show because of those people mm-hmm. by leaving them together unchecked for so long and ended up sort of poisoning the whole well. Yeah, I think you need growth, right? Like you need to have, I think we want villain arcs, but we also want like anti-hero arcs. We want like, mm-hmm. you know, someone like Kenya who can play that role for quite a while and then really like, you know, show there's so much more to her than that. And now Kella, mm-hmm. Ke- Kenya is like this sort of avenging angel. I feel like she was so, she was like put to such great use this season when she like came after Ralph and was like, you know, using her Kenya powers for good, basically. Um, And everyone loves Kenya now, right? Like, I mean, she's really someone that the show would not work without, but she definitely was a villain when she started. Um, I don't know how long you can do that before it's just boring or unpleasant. And I think, you know, Ramona's biggest problem uh, is that she is incapable of of change. She's been the same person the entire series. you know, Dorinda sort of seemed like she might have more there, but then we were like, maybe she was just a mean drunk all along. And um, I think Luann has like shown enough growth that I will allow, she could kind of have a future on Housewives, but I think like people like Ramona and and, and Dorinda sort of like that inability to grow really hurt them. And I think, you know, Rinna is someone else who is just like, she's never going to be anyone but Lisa Rinna. The other thing is like the refusal to play along with the conceit of the show, which is to at least pretend that you have a connection to these women. And like, we all know that these people are cast, they're not actually friends and they're forcing these groups together and they're being paid to have dinner with each other, go to these cocktail parties and all of that. But we want to at least buy into the fact that they're pretending to be friends and friends fight and that's why they fight and friends say mean things about each other and that's why we're seeing so many vicious insults and all of that. But people like the Fox Force and what was going on with New York City, they're not even like obliging us the farce of pretending to make a connection with with uh, Sutton or Garcelle or Crystal. They're just like trying to bully them out of their lives. And that's not fun because that's not what the, the fantasy of the show, even if that's fictional, is. Or they're manipulating the conceit of we're all very close to reveal off-camera details about Crystal's eating disorder under the auspices of, but we all really know each other very well. And as the episodes continue to pan out, it's showing you the result of that from Crystal's perspective of like, but these women don't actually know me, and now I feel like they're trying to harm me. Conversely, what Erica said on this week's episode, which was like, 
when I sort of started to absolutely lose my mind, when she's looking at Garcelle and she's like, you don't really care about me because my good friends, the people who know me the best, aren't telling me that I have a problem. So obviously you're a liar. And it's like, we just watched that scene where Rinna is telling you that you have a problem with Mikey, your newest intern. I assume he's working for just camera Ozark. time at this Ozark. point. Yeah. Exposure. <laughs> we all know that's the number one payer of bills. Uh, but it's like, okay, well, number one, literally, what are you saying? And number two, when was this scene shot with Rena? Because was that literally not, do you not remember that that took place or had that not happened yet? I think that was like very, I mean, that scene to me was such clear damage control of like, we're going to have yes. this really friendly voice being like, you know, Rinda's like, no, I, I'm not always supporting Erica. I tell her when she's wrong. And she's like, I think maybe you should cut back. And Erica's like, by the way, I'm cutting back and like, don't even worry about it. I mean, that was ridiculous. But I do think that Kevin's point about like, sort of the farce of these women are all friends. Like, first of all, I think that some of them are actually friends. And the, yeah, shows, I know that. Yeah. the shows where they have real relationships obviously are the better ones, which is why like, I think the actual chemistry on Potomac makes it a better show. I think the actual familial and friend relationships on Jersey make it, you know, the franchise that I come back to the most because like, I think that they actually love and hate each other. Um, but I think with Beverly Hills this season, it's been really interesting because the Alliance is so unyielding. They don't like, they're not following the housewives rule of like you make up and then you move on to something else. They're just like Rinna makes up with Sutton and then she forgets and is screaming at her again. You have Diana who like in her first like housewife's makeup scene was like, I'm gonna sit there and be like, I don't like you. And it's like, you broke like the cardinal rule of being on housewives, which is like, it doesn't matter if you like Sutton, you just have to pretend and get along with her enough to be filming scenes with her. Um, and she couldn't even do that. So I think like they're being realer in some way, but it's also just like, it's all actually because they're so married to this alliance and not wanting to break that, um, which I think is, like, like you said, a huge mistake ultimately. And it's always been fun to watch, like as seasons pass, like the musical chairs of who's in real life getting along and who isn't. And it's fun when that changes. It's fun when someone that they hated, they finally forgive, and then they're partying together and, you know, whatever vacation they go on. And it's really fun to watch. Like you see that happen all the time in Atlanta. And it used to happen on New York and it happened in the OC. OC constant. Yeah, I really love that. Like who is Shannon right. Bedore friends with this season? That's my favorite, yeah. that's my favorite question every time I turn around that show. I mean, Tamara's dynamics with Dubrow, with Shan, with Vicky, ever changing, ever yeah. evolving. The funniest thing about Tamara is that her friendships are incredibly strategic. Like she obviously knows exactly who she needs to be friends with. And when she screws up, you realize it. And like her alliance with Vicky after Vicky's Brooke situation was like obviously for the show, but then they like actually hang out off screen. So it's like, she's <laughs> the only person I feel like in the Housewife universe who has like strategic friendships that somehow like extend to her real life. Probably because there's no division between like the real Tamara and the Housewife's Tamara. Um, <laughs> but she's actually, I love that she actually is friends with her strategic Housewife alliances IRL. And that includes Teddy. Which is, that's what, exactly what I was thinking of. It's so odd. I guess it makes sense, except I don't genuinely understand why. Why she's aligned with Teddy, who also has a huge investment, seemingly, in continuing the 
propaganda around the Fox Force because I think she still sees a place for herself back on the show and in order to do so and to show her uh, support or whatever of Kyle continues to just echo whatever defense they've come up with. It's an odd dynamic. Teddy, Teddy's trying to single white female Kyle and then like ending up in the background of a scene with her Kyle hair is just like one of the saddest <laughs> I've seen on Housewives. I, I've never had the same um, hatred for Teddy that I know every other human being who watches Real Housewives has. I'm raising my hand. Um, but there is still nothing funnier to me in the world than when she shows up in a scene in, in new seasons that she's not been on and Garcelle just like rolls her eyes into the back of her head. Why is Teddy here? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so funny to me. I think Diana is a psyop to make us appreciate Teddy more because <laughs> like you can't, you can't really like watch a Diana. Kevin's joking. Like, Kevin's joking. No, I mean yeah. like I, I just think like you know who Diana reminds me of a little bit is I think Peggy on OC. Oh, Hundredth Housewife. Okay. Um. Yes, that Peggy, not original Peggy on OC. There have been multiple Peggy's on OC. Um. I'm trying to like she's just one of those ones where it's like, and it does kind of make sense. It's sort of like she has money. She has connections. You know, but sometimes housewives that make sense on paper don't pan out like Kim Fields. Like there are definitely, you know, and I think like, and then there are those moments like that scene with Sutton that again, I just said broke every housewife's rule that is somehow like, I can't stop thinking about and is like maybe my takeaway from the season other than um, homeless, not tooth, wait, toothless, not homeless. No, wait. There we go. There we go. Cause it's okay that they're homeless is literally the conceit, but not that they don't have to no, really think about renaming that think, organization. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really, I really work on that. the home part of it. Why not both? Why not both? Why not both? But I think like, I don't know. Diana is like, she's so fascinating. And then the, like, I actually don't mind her when she's not, when she's just standing, like she's like in a scene. Cause I'm like, I forget that she's there. When we have to be subjected to her weird home life with Asher and like, mm. I suddenly see him performing and I have to think about how he, you know, really ruined some lives on parenthood. I like, I find that very triggering. And I also just like, don't understand what any of them are doing there other than Asher trying to sell his album. Wait a second, ruin lives on parenthood. Did you not watch the TV series Parenthood? I missed it, but all of my love to Peter Krause, wasn't he on it? I and Lauren Kraus. Graham. I believe it's Krause. Krause, whatever. It's he fun. was he was one of the boyfriends on like one of the teen girls' boyfriends in season he one. Was. And then he ended up sleeping with her cousin and it caused a rift between them. He was also the star of the um fame remake. What? And I will say he has a nice singing voice. Yeah, he's he's very like he's cute. He has a nice singing voice. He does seem gay. Um, I really liked the tweet I just saw about how he and Sergio from Dubai are gonna sleep together at BravoCon. Would not be shocked. I'm not so I don't get the gay thing. I get like very asexual from him where he's just Maybe like, asexual, but he's I just, do like, think there's, like, there's nothing like more queer to me than like latching on to a blonde Bravo Lab and like who's like older than you. I feel like that's a very queer act. So in that way, like Asher and Sergio like are maybe queerer than we could ever be. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, fair enough. He doesn't really seem like he's into dudes. He doesn't seem like he's into Diana either. It's, uh, it's him and that piano forever. Isn't there something though, kind of nice about seeing a little bit of a role reversal in gender dynamics where we're so used to seeing a younger woman have no (laughs) sexual chemistry with her older males. Oh, I, I've called people cons. (laughs) You're in a safe space. Kevin's forgetting what podcast he's on. This is self-censored. Literally. Um, it's rated explicit for a reason. Um, I know. I like that. I guess when when Diana first showed up, I was like, how great to have like an older woman and her boy toy. Like, yeah older older but like she is a more mature woman 20 year difference i think right 20 plus maybe and i i do like that and even though like i think caroline stanbury is having like a really terrible return to bravo on dubai Mm. i do appreciate that she has like a hot younger man who like cries when she leaves uh town for a day like i think that's sweet um he's really attractive uh he also i think i do get like gay vibes from him more than asher but either way um yeah, I mean, it's nice. It's not enough. It's not enough for me to say that like Diana or Caroline are doing great things right now on Bravo. Um, but I'm glad that they have younger men. I mean, the oddest point to me with Diana on this week's BH wasn't even necessarily her behavior. It was Rinna trying to weaponize it against Garcelle. Like the whole thing of like, are you not are you not listening? And then when Garcelle responds in kind of like, essentially don't speak to me like a child, her, her response is essentially to gaslight her and say, don't, don't speak to me in that manner. How, <laughs> how literally dare you? I mean, it's that to me was like, if there's anything of interest that Diana has given us, it's just further proof that Rinna is a piece of shit. So that's something. Yeah, she right? also, I think Diana also inadvertently exposed Kyle like gave Kyle one of her very like worst moments when she was like shaking Sutton saying that she didn't have a miscarriage and like I mean that was like a real bad that, that whole scene moment. like when Garcelle was there too and and she was yelling at Garcelle like that 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 whole just like sequence of Garcelle's party I think was disturbing in many different ways so maybe so maybe Diana's role is to make us hate Rinna and Kyle more and appreciate Teddy more at the same time because she wow. is in Diana. You had to just bring that up. I mean, with Kyle too, she posted that very strange Instagram story apology that was like, I haven't had a chance to apologize to Garcelle because I'm in London. Meanwhile, she's doing press and like posting an Instagram story. So maybe call your friend before you're apologizing to us, but not directly to this person that you're in a show with. I mean, I can I can relate to that because Kyle and I were in London at the same time. Oh my god! That's all I have to add to that. Okay, great. Thank you. I would have. Thank you for that. Thank you. I just want. I really wanted to run into her when I was there because she posted a photo and she was in Soho and Kenya was also there. Yes, because they hung out. I didn't see either of them. So wow, what I mean. London, how dare you? <laughs> Literally, how could you do this to me? Um, but with the Kyle of it all, the apology was so interesting because she didn't acknowledge to me at all in any way the physical part of what made that episode so cringe to so many. Her not understanding or respecting some obvious boundaries that Sutton was putting up with the way that her body was reacting to Kyle shaking her in a really aggressive fashion and I don't know that Kyle 
is in a place where she can even understand why that was unacceptable or if it's just something that she would laugh off. I can't imagine her treating someone physically in the manner that she treated Sutton, treating anyone else that way. It was incredibly cringe and inappropriate behavior that she didn't even acknowledge because I don't think she understands why that would be bad. No, she she broke her nose fighting Michael Myers and now she just thinks she can tussle with anyone. Yeah, very maybe phys- that's... She's in a very it's... physical place right now. Mm, she's not, she fight, fight of her life. Fight, fight, Fighting for her life, rather. Yeah, that's probably it. Kevin, your thoughts? Oh, I mean, I think it just goes to show... It's like literally a, a physical illustration of the lack of respect they seem to have for Sutton um where again like they keep trying to break her down over and over and over again and every group setting is just somebody figuring out a way to make everyone else attack Sutton and Sutton hasn't backed down so I think like they're maybe this is just all psycho bullshit but like they're like internalizing their frustration over the fact that they haven't been able to break her verbally so now they feel no, or Kyle feels no qualm, just like literally manhandling her in those situations. I just started laughing because I was thinking about how every season Sutton starts off horribly. And then by the end, we're all on Sutton's side. She had like, she started this season with the, I'm sorry, I didn't have a gun to my head comment. And the whole thing about her designer and then the crystal stuff, which was like also not great. And now I'm like, isn't Sutton the best? I just like okay, but even but even when she was being problematic with the gun to the head and the thing with the designer, like that was awful and she needed to account for it and all of that. But it was really good TV. Like it was it was funny as it was hell. Good TV. And also when she explained herself, I thought she was totally clear and like Kyle was trying to make it something that it really wasn't when she was like, I really have a problem with guns. Like I think that was super valid. Yeah. Um but even like I when I didn't agree with her behavior in her what she was saying yeah, yeah, yeah. I still yeah. I still was enjoying watching it the way that like I don't enjoy watching Rena. I would say I enjoyed everything up to the sort of culmination of the Sutton Crystal stuff because of how Rena and Erica like manipulated Crystal that entire day mm. and it was so gross to watch and they're so awful the way they use Crystal is like just so unpleasant and they and and then Rinna egging Sutton on to get her to yell at Crystal more like you know telling her that Crystal ruined her reputation and she's never going to be you know she's always going to be known as a racist and like all this stuff like I found that all really hard to watch and Sutton totally took the bait there um but otherwise I I found her entertaining this season. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. 
It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Could there be no bigger insult to the rest of these women in the Fox Force than the idea that Sutton is a better entertainer on TV?
I mean, it's I true. Think that, yeah, I, mean, I think that's what it comes down. And I think that like, it's that. And then I think it's like that people just like her more and they like Garcelle more and they like Crystal, like, except for the racists who are like leaving nasty comments. Like, I think people like these women more. And yet they haven't found a way to come back to each other yet, which I hope happens on the reunion because they are so much stronger together. But I feel like ultimately a lot of that is up to Crystal. And regardless, I don't see a world in which Sutton and Garcelle don't come out of the reunion entirely victorious because, I mean, let's like, are we not all watching the same season on TV here? How could they not? Even if these women dig themselves deeper holes, it's like where some of them will remain. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the reunions I find to usually be a little deflating. Like I often don't feel like they we really get what we need from the reunions. Um, and I think that, and I worry about Beverly Hills so much because of how like careful we have to be with some of these women because mm. they don't want to upset the balance. They don't want to lose anyone. Um, maybe Rinna, like God willing. But I, I think it's, I, we'll see how it actually shakes out. I feel like Rinna would be, if she got fired after this season, would be like, would just go on a tear about how you know her mom died and then she was grieving and this is what bravo did to her not that we have to listen to that but like can you imagine the instagram posts well wasn't there well, something yeah there's something where she right. was like complaining that she imagined that her mother dying would have gotten more screen time yes she was uh, she was upset that we didn't have more episodes about lois which like i'm very sorry but also like what does that even mean no, no I she wanted more that. screen time she's like i thought my mom's death would at least get me a starring role this season and it's not working i think that she i think if she got fired it would be even worse but yeah i mean she's she's a mess and she should have her internet taken away but um you know i i just like i mean in all this like we haven't even touched on the like the horrible way they are treating Crystal and her eating disorder and their whole like, why don't you just see a better doctor and get this taken care of? Like, it's truly wild to witness. Well, I mean... I mean, Erica even had a comment this episode where she was like, right. if she just went and did this, then it would all be over. Like, that's she all she said, has to do. Then it'd be gone. Right. She said, put this to bed and be done with yeah. it. Which again, gets into this weird area of... With no pushback on that, you're just the expectation is that viewers understand that that's an uneducated and harmful comment, but they just let it be. Well, which I, is so they did have a scene with, um, Crystal, with Crystal but... and her husband where she, yeah, she, of course, she expressed that, was so that. Nice. Yeah. and I was glad that they included that scene because it, it did push back against what Erica said. I'm I'm having a really hard time with the way that Housewives is treating eating disorders in the sense that like. I think it's really good to be able to talk about these things. I also think that these shows and these women don't have the range. This goes for, obviously, mm. it happens with race a lot. This happens with, I mean, so many things that I feel like, and I and I feel very strongly this, this should be on the shows. And also that like Bravo doesn't know how to handle it right. Production doesn't know. I mean, the way that vaccines came up in Ultimate Girls Trip where it was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having Vicky as the voice of like MAGA anti-vaxxer if there was some sort of pushback that wasn't Dorinda just slurring. Like, it's just like feels irresponsible. And, you know, um, not to keep bringing up Dubai, but I will be the one who keeps bringing up Dubai. They've been dealing with some really heavy stuff with, you know, Chanel Ayan's backstory. And I was like, you know, I think it's, it's, it's awful. It was really upsetting to watch. I'm glad that she has this platform. I think it's like so important to draw attention to things like female genital mutilation and like, you know, uh, 
everything that she's been through. But I also feel like, like the show isn't responsible in how it does it. I don't feel like it knows how to handle this stuff. And, you know, ED, it's just like, it keeps coming up, these eating disorder storylines, you know, first with Jersey and then with, uh, and then with Beverly Hills. And obviously other women on these shows have talked about it. And it's like, I don't really know what the answer is. I just feel like I hate that Crystal has to go through this because I feel like ultimately we're not going to get anywhere. We're going to get to the reunion and she's going to have to kind of put it to bed. And none of these sort of awful comments are really going to be answered for. Well, I mean, I feel like this is something that Kevin and I definitely discussed um, with the piece that I wrote with Kevin's help and guidance for the Daily Beast talking about exactly this and the difference between how the story was told, which felt like it was closer to being told through Jackie's actual experience versus what's happening with Crystal, where it's being used and not just like as a form of entertainment, but there's this weird lens here of this is the responsible way to do this and there's no pushback on that like that's an actual producer's choice here so when it comes to the scene with crystal and rob is that a really important scene to watch yes but am i gonna say wow production great job actually including this thing and not all the other stuff that you edited out that would have been more responsible because you might have had to like suck it up a little bit and be like, wow, I can't just have this joke that Erica said land and focus on Crystal's horror and shame and embarrassment and use that three times, including Mm -hmm. in promos for the next week's episode. Like there's something to be said for being judicious, which I don't know. I I, I can't argue that like the women on New Jersey are better than the ones on Beverly Hills. I just think the story was told differently and with a little bit more of an expectation of responsibility and there's nothing to me that's more cringe or embarrassing than that fucking thing at the end of every episode that's like for more information because nobody from production has gone to the fucking website right or called the number or gotten resources or had any conversation with any kind of expert who might have encouraged them to do the exact opposite of what they're doing Mm -hmm. no i mean like it was like watching girls german having this sort of suicide like Hotly come up because they talked about the the Russell stuff and they had the, I think they had a P, right they had the same sort of like thing on the screen after that mm-hmm. I don't know I really I honestly don't know what the answer is I and I I realize like you know talking about the Dubai situation it's like I don't not want that on the show I think it's important I just feel like I, I just feel like something ends up leaving a bad taste in my mouth because I feel like you know the show sort of wants to be able to have its cake and eat it too and be silly and also socially responsible Mm -hmm. and usually it's not putting in the work to do that so I think like if you're going I I don't know how it'll pan out out on Dubai but it's like I would really like them to do more with this and actually like give you know Chanel and I like a space to really speak about it and maybe that happens Mm -hmm. at the reunion but I feel like as it stands it ends up being like really upsetting but not it's not really contextualized in a way that I think would be useful. And instead, you know, Dubai pisses me off because we get this like horrible package about how actually it's great to be gay in Dubai. And everyone who tells you that it's not is like Mm. lying because the show is actually propaganda. Um, I just feel like you can't have it both ways. And I think there's something really sort of nefarious about the way that it deals with social justice when it is a show about Dubai. Um, Obviously a bit of a tangent, but I think like this is an ongoing problem where Bravo sort of is like, we're going to introduce more housewives of color. We're going to have them talk about social issues. And then we're going to sort of leave them to, you know, 
we're going to hang them out to dry and we're going to just like let the chips fall where they make that's that's real life it's these are how you know that's how people react to to these issues i mean that was the ebony k williams disaster right like, just summarize right there but I, I i going back to like the crystal thing on beverly hills i think what's interesting is that like as you both said and you're both absolutely right like they have really shit the bed in terms of doing something responsible um and and possibly helpful with the storyline but i do find it very interesting uh two things that one like just the the way even given that the way it's presented on the show is how the other women are reacting and obviously the way that viewers are in turn reacting to, to their behavior we are meant to feel like they are wrong like what they're saying is wrong they are handling it wrong they are being boneheaded and mm. offensive and assumptive and just like we are meant to feel that what they're saying even if there isn't the proper pushback on the show I, I think you're giving wrong. I think you're giving too much credit to so do I I honestly. think I think I think you're I think you're right in that like I do think that the editors think that we know I like, think that they think that we get it but I don't I think they're giving too much credit to I I genuinely think they're giving too much credit to the audience that is not deserved this is exactly like the Vicky vaccine thing like I think that they think when they show that Vicky saying her friend died from a booster or whatever it was like I think that we see that and they they're like it's okay we'll leave that in because like the audience knows that's bullshit and they're not worried about it but I think like there is a portion of the audience who watches that and it's like isn't it great that Vicky has a platform to talk about how dangerous the vaccine is? Like, I think that, you know. I don't, I, I, I want to be clear that I'm in no way defending the way they're handling this or that I think they're doing it right. But I, but, but I do think that there is something to be said to the fact that they like, did the to be continued with the chicken finger comment and like the way they edited it was sort of like, <laughs> I'm giving eyes. Like a gas. Like, I feel like it was meant to be like a gas. Like, I can't believe she said something so horrible. Like, yeah, but that's different from the group conversation. Yeah. That, that to me is like, yeah, well, everybody understands in that moment that Erica's a piece of shit. Sidebar, the fact that Erica hasn't acknowledged it in any way to Crystal privately as Crystal shared and watched what happens no. is like, this is a comic book level villain. This is like true penguin behavior. But like, I'm into it. You're a terrible Horror, your insides, as I have said repeatedly, are made of bees. Like, apologize to Karen, <laughs> apologies to Caroline Brooks for that, but like, literally, you are one of the worst people I've ever seen on reality TV in my entire life. Let's keep watching. But with the group dynamic, I'm not getting any sense from the edit as an outsider, as a viewer, that the expectation is we are supposed to understand that the way that they are behaving and communicating to each other is an overstep. I don't get that at all, which is why it continually pisses me off because they are normalizing to people who genuinely don't know that this is unacceptable behavior, which mm -hmm. we're going to get, I think, if Crystal feels comfortable and if she addresses it at the reunion my expectation would be that she would acknowledge this it gives a brings an awful lot of pressure to her my hope is that like Garcelle and Sutton who didn't speak out in the moment but have on the after show or at least Sutton has that they say something as well but I'm not getting the vibe here that right. we're supposed to understand that this isn't great I'm getting the vibe that they're concerned citizens having their like weekly meeting as a town well I will say as someone who who I like that I mean all three of us we do have the impression that they are wrong and their their yeah their counseling sessions are heinous and all that kind of stuff yeah 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 um like given that as someone who does understand that I find it to be just again like another example of this phenomenon of watching those women specifically in real time again grossly miscalculate 
yeah. how they're handling things. And they are sitting there assuming that they're doing something great and useful and that they're in the right. And that when we watch it, we're all going to be like cheering for them. And it's just really fascinating to time and again, just watch, watch them just so egregiously take the wrong side, do the wrong thing, assuming that they're in the right. It's just so, it's so fascinating to me. Well, and this is also where the landscape of, I think housewives is fucking this up because you're putting it at the same level of like the damage that this can do to people, the way that it can be triggering to people is at the same level of like, well, we're just trying to be a good friend to Crystal, where there's like the false equation that somehow this works within the construct of housewives when it really doesn't. And it's, I think that's what Lewis, what you're recognizing too, is like, there are ways that plot points and moments and relationships don't really work within the housewives bubble because the bubble itself isn't being responsible to the viewers or the fellow members of the cast or whatever. I mean, the fact that the after show was filmed at whatever point and Dorit and Erica are still doubling down as Dorit thanks Erica for being so inspiring as someone who's like going to therapy which literally what <laughs> and, and it's it's they're they're continuing this conversation and it just makes me nervous again for the reunion because when it's all these women together on a couch and they have the ability of driving conversation at a certain point just because it's a numbers game and if I was Sutton and Garcelle like the strategy of picking your battles I'm concerned about how this is going to go like are they just going to treat Crystal as you know Kyle has called her someone who's like emotional or too focused on words or whatever she's using and that's just where this story ends yeah and I think it's going to be a tough reunion for Crystal because they're probably going to start with the Sutton stuff and they're going to try yeah. to get her to say what Sutton said and like you know, why was it that bad? And like, why did you make it, you know, why did you call Sutton racist? And like, she's going to be on the defensive because all those women think that being called racist is the worst thing that can happen to you in life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to just put Crystal in a tough position. The season started with her saying, I don't feel safe around all of you. I don't think this Mm -hmm. is a safe space for me. You want me to be your friend, but like, I don't feel safe. And like everything that's happened since then has shown how right she was to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think she's coming into the reunion that's such a vulnerable spot that I don't see her standing up and saying like, you know, fuck all of you for how you talked about my eating disorder and how unhealthy like it was so stigmatizing and unhelpful and all that. Like, I think that's not going to be where she's at. Like, I, I wouldn't be there. Like if I had to watch all this and then like, sit down with these women, I think it's like a really tough spot for her to be in. And I don't think she has, because of the early season stuff, I don't think she really has Sutton and Garcelle in her corner. Yeah, I'm not getting that sense, which makes me nervous. But also, you know, it is at a certain point, it is what it is. They need to work out whatever's going on. And with Dubai, I just watched the new Dubai episode and was like, holy shit. Because if there's a connective thread here between Beverly Hills and Dubai, it's how different people experience and communicate and process trauma. And what we're watching Chanel Ayan deal with, even in the last 10 minutes of the episode, And I'm thinking the bulk of the beginning of the episode and the episode prior is on this fight between Caroline Stanberry and Ayan. And yet we're now being let into just an enormously traumatizing, difficult, um, abusive, horrible. I mean, her body was violated in a way that I I don't think many people 
would be able to necessarily understand. And yet I think of like the reunion and it's like, okay, but we're going to talk about the Caroline Stanbury argument. There's just a lot going on. It's, it's difficult. And I just think it could maybe explain the way that she feels defensive and the way that she feels like she's under attack, but it's also just incredibly, I just have a lot of, um, sadness about what she's experienced. It's, it's genuinely just honestly horrifying. I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Dubai reunion, there's a lot they actually could talk about and it's not going to be the mm-hmm. thing they're going to talk about. And I think like Dubai has been such a, like an, an enormous miscalculation. Like almost everything about that show is wrong in my opinion. And like, it shows that hmm. people care about it. Like, I think that there is a reason why we are not talking about Dubai. I think like a lot of mistakes were made in the production of that show. And I think that the reunion is going to focus on these sort of nonsense fights about like the fact that we dragged out this fight between Caroline Brooks and, and, Sa- Sarah. and fake Dr. Sarah about who, by the way, Dr. Sarah was like, you should be more affectionate to your kid. We all saw it. And then it was like, tried to walk it back. And it was the most bizarre. Th- I mean, I just like really, I don't care about any of these fights and I don't know why, why I should. I care about, Chanel Ayan and I like and I understand mm-hmm. that we can't just have like a PSA like that's not what the show is I don't think the reunion should be all about that but like there is more interesting stuff going on with these women than like what we're being allowed to see which feels very much like an attempt at recreating housewives magic and trying to get them to fight with each other and you know basically putting them in these situations without earning the sort of like real emotional bonds that we need to see between them and you know their backstory like I want to know who these people are and it's like Mm -hmm. I I don't really get that from the show I feel like there are you know a few of them that I know nothing about um and it's really I don't know I think that it's just like one of the many things that went wrong in production of the show like with Caroline Brooks she has mentioned a lot of darkness in her previous marriage and we've seen that she now has a cordial, a seemingly cordial relationship with her ex-husband. But like, there are things that she says that she does in, in what she doesn't say where I'm like, I need a little bit, I, I would appreciate a little bit more clarity here because she's talking about incredibly intense moments right. happening with her then relationship. And then we're seeing her, you know, having made peace with her ex-husband, which like more power to you, you, you know, like you're co-parenting. I'm not going to, you know, you do you like fully support but I want to kind of get clarity because it's some of the storytelling here I know it's intentionally not specific but it raises specific questions yeah no I I felt the same way when I was like it doesn't seem like the man she's described for her to have that relationship and like we're missing some steps of where they got to the point where like he seemed like a violent scary person and now and I understand the co-parenting but yeah I think like I don't know I I find Dubai kind of fascinating for a lot of reasons and I think like it's one of the I I would not be shocked if it didn't come back I know that like the room you what you what I would not be shocked if it were if it was canceled Okay, sorry, and I cut you off. The rumor, what, what? Well, I know there's, like, I've, I've seen, like, the blogs or whatever saying that they're, like, going to start filming again, and then some people have said that they're not, and I know, like, there was, like, talk of Phaedra joining the cast, but, like, I really 
feel like it's got to be expensive. And I just don't think anyone likes it very much. And it has very low ratings. But I think because it's so expensive, it was such a huge investment for the network that even though in my I watch everything the next day on Peacock and I watch anything live it's just my it's my it's my story I'm happy to tell it but I always think that like Miami is a Bravo show and and Dubai is a Peacock show I watch them all on Peacock so it doesn't matter but Miami to me gives like very much primetime energy and I'm not getting that from the Dubai Dubai vibe but regardless of like how Dubai has been paid for or coordinated or whatever incentives production surely received. Well, they well they had to be approved by the government there. Yeah, and also, does that have an effect on storytelling? I think it does. I think they can't... I mean, I don't think that, like, that, you know, the UAE was like, you have to include this package about how we like gay people now. But I think that, that's, that the, the decision to include that was absolutely, like, part of the pro-Dubai propaganda that they... Or, or damage control by Bravo being like, it's okay that we're doing this show, even though our audience is super gay. Well, I haven't watched Dubai past episode two, so I have no idea what any of you are talking about. <laughs> but I will say that to me, it's just reeks of like, there was so much uh, fanfare and celebration over Salt Lake City. And this mm. idea of we're going to go to this like notoriously conservative, notoriously like, um, white whites but also like seemingly white i've heard a lot like, about diversity like, like sober and religious and mm-hmm. anti-party and we're gonna go to this place that's the opposite of everything we think of real housewives and we're gonna blow your minds by showing you just how wild everyone actually is there and i think that was such a huge success that sort of like surprise bait and switch just in theory mm-hmm. that they sort of ran with that too far um in, in like in the same direction towards dubai thinking that that might be the same thing, but it ended up being just very awkward and um, made them be incapable of actually doing either put on a great show or tell an authentic story about that place. One of my like things that I complained about when I watched the premiere of Dubai is that it's overproduced and it looks glossy and it's like, it doesn't feel like a housewife show to me. Um, I think Miami looked pretty glossy too, but I love Miami and those women are like, what I need because they're like kind of trashy and desperate even though I love my and I also love Miami I will yeah I I have to like when I say that housewives in its flop era or its mid era like I'm saying that while also acknowledging that Miami was like one of my favorite housewife seasons in a very long time was Mm. last season in Miami but um yeah I think like everything about I think Dubai was very like like you're saying Kevin like these are like really intentional choices that were made I think they were not the right choices and I think that the show didn't let itself unfold naturally. I think it was very much whether because this was like like production's clear plan or because it was a collaboration with the government there, I think that it doesn't unfold naturally. And so you kind of have it, they're trying to fit it into like whatever this box is. It doesn't feel like it's actually playing out in an authentic way. Uh, and And it suffered because of that. And you're not watching it. So obviously you feel like it's not something that you need to be seeing. Yeah, I was bored to tears by it, to be honest. I mean, I personally love the glossiness of the premiere episode. I was like, yes, money. But I also feel like in Salt Lake City, not only do you have long-term relationships with these women, so there are natural stakes there, but I also liked the tension between Heather dealing with a lot of anger that she felt about her, the way that she was raised, the marriage that she felt she was forced to have, 
versus Lisa Barlow choosing to be Mormon and how and her reaction to the things that Heather said about the Church of Latter-day Saints I thought was incredibly interesting versus what we're seeing on Dubai where it does feel like there's just this vibe of I forget who said it. it I think it was Caroline Stanberry but feel free to fact check me of like or maybe Caroline Brooks of like you can you can be gay in Dubai. You just like you know can't hold hands while you're walking down. That was like Caroline Stanbury being like, of course people wouldn't hold men wouldn't hold hands here. And the connective dot to me was like, what happens if they do? Mm-hmm. You're pretend you're normalizing this thing, but what happens if they do? You know what's so wild about that moment is that it could have been played as like, it could have been like played as cringy but it was part of a package that was overwhelmingly all the women talking about how great it is to be gay in Dubai right and it was not intended to be it was like the music that was playing was like positive like that was really embarrassing I felt and kind of like also in the premiere where where Caroline was like I had to leave the country to get married because I'm Jewish and divorced and they just like never acknowledge that again um anyway I do think that like yeah I I think I don't mind, I wouldn't mind a moment like what Caroline Stanbury said if, as we've talked about, like if the show kind of acknowledged how awful it is. But I think mm-hmm. like, especially in that case, they were very much on uh, on Caroline Stanbury's side. I, I'm curious to see how Andy handles it at the reunion. My guess is that that scene itself won't come up in conversation because what would the response be? But um... Is Andy going to Dubai? What? Is Andy going to Dubai? No, they no, brought them all to New York. Here. Which is honestly easier to do, I'm sure, for a variety of reasons, because you have the infrastructure here. Given that conversation you guys are saying happened on the show about gays in Dubai, it would have been interesting to have Andy there feeling that environment and then having that inform his line of questioning. Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say, I don't think Andy would be uh, browsing Grindr in Dubai, but then I remember that you can't use Grindr in Dubai. It doesn't exist there. But he's also just been so, I mean, watching what happens, watch what happens live. He's been kind of more than usual outspoken about gay civil rights issues and mm. just sort of like taking harsh stances and all that kind of thing that he used to. So I think just would be interesting. Yeah, he also said happy uh, Pride Month and Dubai premiere day. Uh, on June 1st and I was like all right we're, what are we doing here what is this I mean even um, gays have to have to sell their sell their wares <laughs> sure absolutely um anyway I think we're all in agreement that Dubai is like the forgotten housewives for a reason um I think we're all in agreement that I am an ally to the real housewives <laughs> franchise in all of its many forms and I can't I'm genuinely looking forward to the reunion on Dubai I am also really looking forward to Dubai being over um, because I feel I feel bad that like it doesn't come up. But like, I mean, like, I think you should write your local congressperson about that. I don't know what to tell you. There's a thousand different things going on in the Bravo world. And like Dubai, Dubai had a great episode. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad we talked about what's going on with Chanel Ayan. But like, I, I can't, I you know, like I can't. Yeah, you, I don't and, know. You can't, you can't, <laughs> no, you can't like you can't force it. Like you can't. I can't force it. I, I'm not gonna. Uh, Three hundred ups in. We also didn't talk about Atlanta at all. I mean, and it's great. It's doing great. It's doing. It's doing fine. It's doing okay. It's doing okay. Yeah, I mean, like I think that. Um, I guess I appreciate Atlanta this season because it pisses me off less than Beverly Hills. But like, I'm not compelled to talk about it the way I am Beverly Hills. So like. From Bravo's perspective, it's probably better for me to be 
engaged with one of them and angry about it than like watching Atlanta and being like, I don't remember what happened. Um, you know, there's things that I, I, there's scenes that I've really loved in Atlanta, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not tweeting about it. I did, I tweeted about Monietta and about how every time she has a confessional, I remember she's on the show <laughs> and then no one faved it. So then I deleted it. <laughs> That's like the most like, Monietta thing that ever happens to Monietta. Sorry, are there like Monietta stands out there? It's so bizarre. I forget that she's technically a friend. I just keep thinking that she's sometimes there. I always like have a soft spot for the, like the, the very like inoffensive, but kind of like well-meaning and bubbly friends of who make no impact, but are just kind of there having a good time. But Atlanta, like at least like the last time we had like a kind friend of on Atlanta, she was at least super Canadian and then fucked a stripper and ran away. So I think like Iconic. that has to be the journey <laughs> um, if you want to kind of like be the like nice one on Atlanta. The weird thing about that show is there are like 20, they travel with friends all the time who are not friends mm. of or even guests. Like they always have like, women around them they travel with and then like randomly someone gets selected to be a friend of and it's Monietta who like has not had a single moment to stand out except like her husband's reactions were kind of funny during the fight with uh yeah Indian Marlo. but otherwise like nothing. who was that heinous woman who um Drew kept throwing dog bones at Fatum Lewis are you googling I google I googled it but I thought she would be a friend of and she's not she's not she's not a friend of they brought her on so many times. Like she had like three. Like, yeah, but like Fallon wasn't a friend of, and then Portia stole her husband. So like, true. It doesn't. It doesn't. This doesn't. I mean about Atlanta. There are people on the show who are like very much in the cast, but are not officially friends of. And then you have people like Marlo, who was essentially a housewife despite being a friend of for many years, and now that she is a housewife, we all regret it. Um, I mean, it's it's getting late, so we can't go into this too much, but like. <laughs> It pains me so much <laughs> how much the flop Marlo is as a housewife after so many years of being so great as a friend of. Awful season. I think like, speaking of like not understanding what the fans want or fan response, like I don't think anyone's played it worse than Marlo. <sighs> like she just like every choice she makes is bad. I think like one of my least favorite reactions is like people saying like, oh, what like Marlo's making like candy like really step up and she's making candy earn her peach and I'm like, yeah, but it's not like she's fighting with her about anything real. She's just like saying ridiculous shit and making Candy react. Like, mm. I think that's a bad way of looking at these shows. If it's like, all you have to do is like, get someone to yell at you. It's not, mm -hmm. I don't want to watch that. It's it's a, it's very Rinna, to be honest. Like watching her, especially well, yeah. with Kenya, I'm getting very it's Rinna. It's very vibes. Rinna, which is upsetting but if, to me. If that were the standard, like then you would, then Phaedra had a great season when she like got a horrible rumor about Candy out there. You know what I mean? Like that made Candy like really activated. I don't think that was a good- well, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm no, I know you're not. I'm not saying, I'm saying in response to this like thing I see on Twitter all the time. Like I think Marlo just like making shit up about Candy or saying like, saying things like Candy's not famous outside of Atlanta, which is just like a ludicrous thing to say. Like Candy's one of the most famous housewives of all time and is yeah. like well known outside of the franchise. Like, why would you like, it doesn't make any sense. And, and of course Candy's like pissed and I enjoyed their fight, but also like Marlo got her ass handed to her. That was like embarrassing. Bye lonely, bye lonely. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Um, Kevin, I just thought of something I want to pitch you. <laughs> 
speaking of, I have to get back to work. We have to wrap this up. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Listen, it's just that I'm so, quote unquote, obsessed with having you guys back on Andy's Girls. Louis Peitzman, tell the tell the people how they can follow you on social, read your writing so much more. You can follow me at Louis Peitzman. Um, I don't do a ton of Housewives writing, but I do tweet about the shows when I catch up with them, which is usually on Friday nights. And if you see me tweet about Moneta, please fave it. So I don't have to delete it next time because it just feels sad for both of us. Oh my God, what an iconic moment. Um, <laughs> Kevin Fallon, tell us everything. Um, my Twitter account is at KP Fallon. <laughs> my Instagram is also at You at sound KP so Fallon. nervous. I'm not like holding you ransom right now. Um, if you want to see photos of my very cute twin nephews, you can go to my Instagram. That's pretty much all I ever post there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do tweet about Real Housewives. Um, I'm currently writing about, as I mentioned earlier, the the last eight minutes of the most recent Beverly Hills for a story they'll publish tomorrow. Great. Oh my God, um, just like the, the wild shift from the hilarity of Homeless Not Toothless to Garcelle's iconic you're you're making yourself look bad on your own to Erica is just oh my god I can't wait to just read that. great great so television oh, hashtag obsessed and guys speaking of all things obsessed join the Andy Scrolls Patreon the number one way to support the pod you get exclusive bonus episodes invites to special zoom kikis and more patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley and thanks to both of you for coming. I knew this was going to be another gangbusters appearance and I'm so glad it happened. I'm very into it. Just pat myself on the shoulder. <laughs> thanks to both of you. I hope to have you back on AG soon. Guys, hope you're all doing okay and we will chat with you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.